Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, your home for all things outdoors and the Badger State. I'm your host, Josh Raley, and we have got a fantastic episode for you today. Uh, While I was on vacation down in Alabama, I had the opportunity to visit the Woodhaven Custom Calls facility, and uh, though turkey season was in full swing, the owner and founder of Woodhaven Custom Calls, Mike Pentecost, was kind enough to take some time in the middle of the day to record an episode with me. He is uh, He's not only a fantastic turkey hunter, but he's also just one of those salt-of-the-earth kind of guys. He's, uh, he's a man who's driven by his faith, uh, driven by a strong work ethic. Uh, he's got a passion for wild turkeys, and uh, that all of that certainly comes through in this episode. And, and let me tell you, uh, he's a guy that's been around for a, for a long time, and he's watched turkey hunting change over the years. He's watched uh, turkey hunting culture change over the years. He's watched the outdoor industry change over the years. And it was just a really great experience to get to uh, see some of his perspective on how things have changed and, and what's good, what's bad, what's... Uh, you know what maybe we're freaking out about right now in the in in the news today that maybe we shouldn't be and uh yeah just a really great conversation we get into uh talking a little bit about turkey hunting we talk about how the industry's changed we talk about how he grew his business from a little uh, startup in his basement to uh now a national icon probably one of the most recognizable uh turkey call brands in the nation so fantastic episode really looking forward to sharing this conversation with you but a couple of things before we get into that number one if you haven't already head over to instagram and give us a follow there we're going to be sharing a lot from our upcoming turkey season so i want to keep you guys in the loop on all that number two you can head over to patreon we now have a patreon account and you can support us there And finally, I want to let you know this episode is brought to you by Overwatch Outdoors, makers of the Transformer and Orion tree saddles. I've tried both of these saddles out. The Orion came out on top, and uh, when I say it came out on top, I mean, boy, it it was a close call there for a long time. But the Orion just fit me better, and it is by far the most comfortable saddle that I have ever sat in. It is built like a tank. It is tough. It's made of all berry compliant materials. It is handmade by Jamie, the owner of the company. So if you're interested in getting into a saddle uh, for next fall, for next whitetail season, now is the time. You don't want to get into the lines come July and August of uh, everyone else trying to get a hold of their gear. You also want to have time to practice. So head over to overwatchoutdoors.net catch up with Jamie. He'll get you set up and pointed in the right direction. I highly recommend his Orion saddle. They are all uh, currently handmade by him. With all of that out of the way now, let's jump into the episode with Mike Pentecost. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is owner and founder of Woodhaven Custom Calls, Mike Pentecost. Mike, how's it going? It's doing well. It's turkey season, so that's always a good time. That's right. That's right. How's your season been so far? Uh, we've had a 
youth hunts here locally in uh, Alabama season has just opened up. So, uh, you know, we kind of – the turkeys are gobbling in some places and not in others, it, it seems like. I mean, we haven't been in the woods all that much per se. You know, we went to Florida and uh, South Florida and did a hunt early in the season um, – or right there early in March and went all the way to South Florida and uh, was able to film a hunt, you know, kill one and should have killed two, but then had to come back and, you know, we're an active company that's a turkey call company and so we're very busy this time of year and it's not uncommon for me to not push it in the first part of the year mm, okay. because I've got so much obligation back here. Uh, it, you know, we're here filming, I mean, uh, doing this podcast here and you know that's you know it's we're just busy yeah i'll be honest with you i was i was pretty surprised that that you were willing to record with me today i'm down here in alabama on uh family vacation kids are on spring break you know and just like well, what can i do while i'm while i'm down there i'll see if mike can can record with me and and uh sure oh my goodness there it goes uh and and you you said yeah and i thought man there's no way i'm gonna get a hold of mike during turkey season like, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that everybody has a an, a an involvement in their being. You know, I was telling the guy uh, this morning. I said, you know, I've kind of got to that point. I mean, there's a point in your hunting career or whatever, if you want to call that. I mean, you know, I can remember back when I was young, and I just wanted to kill a turkey. Yeah, and then I wanted to kill some you know and then i wanted to kill all of them you know I just, you know, everything if it gobbled i wanted to go get it i wanted to you know wanted to kill my limit and and take somebody else and i mean i've caught a lot of turkeys and had a lot of good times in the woods you know but now it's kind of like i just i just I like seeing my kids hunt and i like to take other kids and um you know but you just take it with a grain of happiness because you're just going to be what it's going to be turkeys is going to be turkeys that's the quote of all quotes turkeys <laughs> are going to be turkeys and sometimes they're going to cooperate sometimes they ain't and i mean uh, you know i try to make time to i have my family and i have the business and I have things other obligations and uh you try to make time to fit it all in and it all comes back around yeah yeah well you know what this this time of year i know it is a very very busy one you guys got down to South Florida, you said a couple weeks ago. Y'all did okay down there? Yeah, we went to uh, the southern uh, part. Uh, I forget how deep. It was a long ways. <laughs> I mean, we, me and Shag, we drove all night and pretty much the next day and got in, got set up in a camp and, and I went back in on some uh, uh, property and, you know, just had to find find some turkeys and it worked out, you know. Uh, but we, it, it was a successful hunt, and, and uh, we learned something about that area, and, and I wish we had time to run back down and the limits two in Florida, and I didn't kill but one. So, Uh-oh. Uh, but we had to get back and had other obligations here. and um, You know, like I said, then our youth seasons have come in here, and we've taken some uh, kids and, you know, and, I mean, we've called some turkeys up. We just haven't killed any. I mean, yeah. you just got to have a – the, the kid, it's a different situation when you got a, a kid that's still that's learning, learning the whole deal. Yep. You know, learning. You know, you just they can't always just find them in the sites, or you know, you practice and you work with them. But you know, still it takes a little bit of time. So sometimes it just works out, and they just uh, 
two-year-old comes out there and just does it up right, you know. But uh, you know, for you know, we don't we don't use really use decoys. I mean, sure. down here, and the first ten days is illegal anyway. So now they've got new rules and regs that's coming into play and trying to uh, do the turkey population. There, there's a big concern with all that nowadays. So. Um, I think it would have been legal with the kids on the kid day, but I mean, so anyway, that's that focusing mechanism. You know, sometimes it just comes in, and makes it easy for the kid. But when when they're not used to seeing turkeys coming through brush or through trees, and you know, they're just sometimes it's a little 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 bit much for them. You know, it's hard for them to find them. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been trying to get set up back in Wisconsin um, for my daughter. She's seven years old. She's going to go out this year. We got her uh, one of the little four tens shooting TSS and. I uh, got got a couple blinds set up, and I can't imagine trying to get her on a on a bird without something to take that bird's attention. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been trying to prep her for you know how they bob and weave their head around and all that movement. I can't imagine if I was off in the timber. You know, we got we got ag fields galore up there. All I got to do is set up on one of those. It's very different down here. It is different. Now you're talking about your daughter. That's a good situation. You're always good to see getting the kids involved and other hunters, new hunters. I mean. An experienced guy's got to put his gun down mm-hmm. to include or start somebody else. You know, it's it's, it's sometimes hard to do because we all like to kill one, uh, you know, from time to time. But you know, I, I learned that that when my kids started hunting and killing turkeys, I mean, you know, I I got all the pleasure in the world out of being involved with them and then seeing them be successful. But talking about your daughter's setup, you know, the 410 is a good little uh, weapon that they have out there now. Uh, the single shots are good. They got double safeties and stuff on them. And you know, one thing I learned um, was putting the red dot type sight on the top of these, you know, and that gets the kid's cheek up off of the, instead of being down on a bead or a having that rail up there and then getting a red dot type sight. Uh, everybody's making some good ones nowadays. and But just having that sight and then putting that dot, and then what we learned to do, the dot and these um, uh, sites like that doesn't have parallax. So if you put the dot on a target at 40 yards and the kid moves his head, if you move, look down that site, <coughs> pardon me, and uh, have that red dot on your target and then move your head side, your, the dot doesn't move, so it doesn't have parallax. So it allows for some a kid drifting or thinking or, you know, moving their head a little bit too much and but uh that's a real good um advantage for the kid having the dot it really it really seems to help and then what we learned as i was doing the training of my kids when they were five and six you know uh they were started shooting uh 14 we started with you know plinking and with 22 and stuff and pellet gun bb guns and then uh the uh as i moved them to a 14 i got the little Two and a half, got the lightest lows I could and everything, got the dots, and they started learning. And, you know, it was fun. But, you know, what what I what I thought through was, and I made my point to get my, and I still set the guns up that what, this way today because if you notice when your turkey is walking or anything about the turkey is his head's up moving. The, the, and, and a lot of folks, you know, say, just shoot him in the head. Well, I didn't want my kids to try to be trying to find that head, so I – we taught them to shoot at the 
the, the waddles. Yep. Where the, yep. where the, where the, those, and the, and the, the kids were young, they called them the bubble. Down there where those bubbles are, Dad? Yeah, I said, right there where them bubbles are. <laughs> Shoot the bubbles. Shoot the bubbles. So we put the dot on the bubbles. Yep. That's our point of aim. Yep. And our center of impact, we've got our shotgun so that our point of aim is here and our center of impact's here. So, yeah, and that's that, that way the, the kid's aiming where, it, you know, it, this, this down here ain't moving near as much as this up here is. So, you know. Yeah, but that's you know giving you tips for your yeah. to take back to your daughter and how to set up a shotgun properly for no, for her. That. We got it. We got her a red dot on it, and I and I tell you exactly what you said about that dot. That dot. When I first started shooting deer rifles, you know, I feel like the crosshair is you didn't have your head scooped down on there, and then the crosshair should look like you're at a dead dead set stand. You're not. Well, I mean, it's just the way technology is developed. Yeah, very, very, very <coughs> Talking about kids and, and getting them into hunting, how did you get into hunting? Just deer hunter and an avid outdoor. Just loved outdoors, loved being gone and rambling. Uh, nobody in my family was a turkey hunter. I just decided I wanted to. That's, you know, I was deer hunting. My dad was a deer hunter. And, Granddad, they liked to, you know, hunt squirrel and rabbit. Coming up when they did, they, you know, they had to kill a squirrel or a rabbit, something to eat. I mean, it was a different time back then. And then my dad was a deer hunter and stuff. My granddad was, you know, uh, a hunter. Like he wanted, he liked to deer hunt and stuff. But I mean, but I, I just, just it was a. I, I hate to use the word knack, but I just had a, a knack for wanting to. I enjoyed it when I was out rambling and, you know, and <clears throat> I just quickly picked up that the seeing turkeys when i was deer hunting or rambling or you know i just they, they interested me and then the guys there wasn't many men that turkey wasn't anybody much but the the few peculiar men that were turkey hunters around here i found them interesting they were they had a, a different demeanor about them and i could pick up on that as a youngster you know growing up and and uh i just uh there would nobody tell you anything, so I just you know, wasn't no wasn't no social media, and you couldn't just uh, pick up the, uh, you know, YouTubing and do all the stuff and just watch all the stuff. I mean, uh, you know, the guys back that that hit it big in the TV and everything um, back in the day, uh, you know, Primos, Night and Hell, some of those guys had those real good TV shows, uh, you know, and then they did the VHS tapes of those. Those guys started hunting in the woods with those big cameras and everything, and uh, you know, so information became more and more available but i learned it strictly my way hard way root of hard knocks man I, i've been looking and reading more and more about that lately kind of the old the old guard of turkey hunting right like the way it used to be and what you just said is something that many people have shared with me already is that back in the day people were tight-lipped mm -hmm. about information they didn't want to tell you where the birds were they didn't want to tell you how to get on birds they didn't want to tell you how to call birds right they told you go sit in the woods that's pretty much I mean, <laughs> and yeah. things things are very different now i mean you got guys like yourself i got your cameraman sitting over my shoulder right now you know you guys are putting out everything that you do and you're out here hunting birds on public land showing people how to how to get it done what what do you think has inspired that that shift in in much of the market these days from a from a very tight-lipped you know turkey hunter crowd to now we want to we want to share this with people and 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 put that education out there it was one of the oddest things that i had to learn to overcome because as a turkey call manufacturing builder and had a company and everything people were 
asking me how to use the calls and you know and I'm, I'm trying to show and teach and everything you know and the next thing you know i'm it's more and more information i mean i felt odd i really did because i came from the old school you didn't tell anybody anything somebody say you hear any turkeys today none to speak of you know this, <laughs> <laughs> that was the common none to speak of you know yeah and yep. uh but it, that 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 in itself was that i found um a breach of my inside you know i there was a point that that uh tearing the wall or the you know tearing that barrier down i just had to realize to relax and just enjoy the fact that you could provide information that was going to help somebody and um i i just think it's a a social that's the key word nowadays social media so socially i think we've changed and instead of really engaging and, and speaking. I mean, uh, folks, uh, we talked about this at lunch. Um, our friend of mine, Duke's down here from Tennessee to hunt with us for a couple of days and shag. Now when we, t- we had lunch before we came down and we were talking about, um, you know, again, um, well, I lost my train of thought. That's a good one. Ain't it? Choo-choo. I hear the trains <laughs> and run. Uh, yeah, goodness, I'm sorry. We, no, that's I had, right. I had a thought that was going that we were talking about um, earlier about just, I don't even know where we was, guys. <laughs> I don't, I mean, but we talked about something. I had it on my mind. That's to, all right. To take, you know, that's one of my problems. I got too many. I'm like wax on, wax off, Mr. Miyagi. I, <laughs> I got, I'm, I'm juggling too many, too many things. Too many balls in the too air. Many balls in the yeah, air. Yeah, that's but, all right. No, I just, I just wanted to bring up. You know, it's, it's a very different world these days. You know, everybody wants to put that information out there. You've got YouTube channels galore, and and a lot of them are not really focusing on necessarily just the kill. They're focusing on educating hunters. Yeah, that, and that's, that was the point. Now you said education. That was the word. We were talking at lunch. You know, so I can get right back on my, <laughs> I, I get back on the right track. I'm on there the right go. train again. But these guys, uh, we were talking, when you said the word education, that got me right back into my what I was, uh, we were discussing. I mean, people are hungry for education. Mm-hmm. They want information. We were talking about our uh, YouTube and our videos and the podcast and different things that we have been involved in. And I've been involved with a, you know, a number of podcasts like yourself here and different hunting channels and everything. And everybody wants information they want to be i mean if we could blend in the um information entertainment and value and and that that a guy's getting enrichment with what he's you know he's not just hearing you know just something to be saying something you you know you got to know what you're ciphering and sifting through i mean you got you got to make sure you're getting real good information and when you can provide that, and I think what it is, um, people still have value. If you look through to the core, our social media type thing is, is quick and just, it's just so, we're so inundated with stuff. Yep. Everybody's got this and that and the new uh, gadget and gadget and, 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 and these brands and things just keep flowing in front of our faces and on, right there in those little screens. And, and I think we missed the point of being the value of being together like my, my friends are. You know, we're able to go in the woods and share time uh, in the woods, out of the woods. You know, some of my most valuable time is in the woods. I enjoy that more. Yep. But then I think deep, deep, deep there is a sense of value still in 
good people. That's right. And they're earnest, the earnest ones that are trying to learn something. And I think what that's what you're trying they're, they're they look and they they're wanting to find comfort and value in a person. Yep. If they find comfort and value in a person, they will listen to that person. That's right. You know, um, and I think that's where you get. I, I laugh and tell folks recently. It's been my thing. I said, you know, it's a dead gum shame. I got to get. Um, you got to get old for people to listen, listen to you, you know, and now, and now everybody wants to hear, you know, what I, what it seems like everybody wants to hear what I got to say or yeah. how I'm killing a turkey. And, and when we go hunting, they want to see what we're doing, how we're doing it. And, and, you know, you, you, you embrace that because you realize that they're looking to you as a person of value, that they're willing to, to, uh, entrust you to tell them how to do things so we're trying to include because tips and tactics and stuff like that that make things um better and make it for easier for guys to go be more successful and everything but you know it's hard for me sometimes to remember to tell that because i just know it it's just it's just part of my it's just part of my DNA, I guess you yeah, say. I have yeah. learned it. I didn't nobody didn't nobody tell it to me. I've learned it. So when it's this there, it's hard for me sometimes to relate because sometimes I've had guys with me say, "Well, you know, we did this, and why did you do that?" And I'm like, "Duh!" But then I have to slow down, have to back up and say, "I did this. Like I changed to this call, or I changed to that, and I changed. We changed positions because." And I have to realize that I just I. I the woods have been my teacher. I, yeah, I, woodsmanship and everything's a big, big part of being a, a good turkey hunter and everything. So, um, it's a lot of lot of mistakes make you better. Yep. You know, yeah. So. And and for you at this point, it's instinct, Absolutely. right? Like it's just it's just, it's just do it. you're you're just reacting. You're just you're just moving based on on your years of experience. But but figuring out how to slow yourself down enough to say, hey, here's the first step. Here's what we're gonna do. Here's step number two. Here's the change in plans, and here's why we're changing the plans. That, I think, takes a lot more work, and I think is, is uh, you know, to your guys' credit and the credit of a lot of other folks out there right now. I know uh, you guys work with the hunting public. I mean, mm -hmm. credit to them as well. Um, they're great. taking the time to do that. They're taking the time to put that kind of stuff uh, out there. And, and, you know, watching videos and listening to podcasts will only get you so far. You know, there is that wood, woodsmanship piece. You, you're going to have to pay your dues. But I think the content that you guys are putting out for a lot of folks is going to help kind of shorten that learning curve uh, quite a bit so that they can maximize that time rather than spending three years out there just hoping to hear a turkey. Now maybe they can go out there and know turkey where to find one. Turkey hunting is a growing sport still. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you call it a sport, it's a, it's a grow. It's still a, an actively, you know, responsive group. It's still growing. It's, there's, there's hunger. There's, there's knowledge being sought how to hunt them how to make it better broaden the uh, habitat enhancement and try how to make the turkeys become more adapt and how, what can we do uh but that's included a lot of new hunters which is good for the sport yep uh and then you know you just hope that you do the right thing by folks and teach them that they learn the ethical ways and the proper ways and the gentlemanly ways and and uh how to react and act in safe ways i mean uh, I, you know it's one of those things you just constantly uh checking 
safety or you know we and taking the shell out of the out of the chamber you know when we're walking and everything you yep. just have to remember things like that but that's the safest way to to do stuff just a bunch of there's a bunch of ethic there that has to be has to be maintained if it's not we're just gonna have a bunch of people influxed into a a, a true old great sport that could just you know it could it could be its own kind of it could cannibalize itself by just you know becoming too uh i don't know popular is not the word but too easy or just just go buy this that and other and go yep. and, and you know you just don't want it to be you want people to understand that there's still value in being a good woodsmanship a good woodsman and 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 a hunting turkeys the the proper way i mean you know some folks bait them and this that and other and i that's not the right way i that's mean right. you, know, you do it the right way you know i i tip my hat to you shake your hand look you now and think you're a good person you know <laughs> but <laughs> the, other, the other ones don't you know uh, yeah recruitment can be a double-edged sword you know you can you you bring a lot of folks into the end of the sport but then a lot of folks come in they didn't learn the right way or they're you know, their ethics are questionable. And then all of a sudden, um, the ranks of turkey hunters, even though, yeah, there may be more turkey hunters, they might have been better off without them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, the, I mean. The new folks could, could unless, unless they're taught the right way. And I, I think that's kudos to you guys. You know, you provide tremendous value, not just in the calls that you build. Uh, that obviously brings value to, to the turkey hunting world, but also – uh, just the content that you're putting out, I yeah. think, brings tremendous value to the turkey. Thank you. And I, I think that's you know a larger, uh, you know, larger responsibility of that. You know, doesn't go uh, just to me or anything. I think it's uh, you know, Dylan. That's that's you know, Dylan Hazen. He's actually from Wisconsin, and he's you know, he's my right hand cameraman. You know, right now, you know, right now, and everything. I, uh, you know, I called him Shag. That's that's his nickname. Everybody's going. I told him. I said, "You better just get used to it, because everybody's going to be calling you Shag, man." You good with that nickname, Dylan? Oh, Shaggy. Yeah, I don't think I have a Shaggy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no choice at this point. Well, don't All he, right. he looks just like Shaggy on Scooby Doo. You know what? I yeah. I'd never heard anybody call him that, but as soon as you said it, I knew exactly why. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I could be Scooby. Roll, roll, Raggy. Yeah, Shag. But you know. And then Mark Scroggins, I mean, he's our marketing and content. He was in TV and everything for a long, yep. long time doing yep. the things he did with the spring fe uh, goblin fever and the fever. And, um, uh, so, I mean, having good quality uh, guys like that to help put all that content together. And, and uh, you know, those those guys do a lot of that thinking with you and for you. And it's, it's become – one of those things, I mean, they joke with me and everything about all the microphones and stuff we have to do, and but uh, and how I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm there to kill. I'm, you know, I, I tell them all the time, my job <laughs> is to call and kill, you know. And, and so I, but I've had to adapt and learn how to be better uh, in my thought process of what we're trying to produce. So I work, I've been getting better with the working with the camera guys and you know helping with the camera equipment and the. I call it talking to the fist to the old the old GoPro on a thing and walking around with a GoPro and trying to and that adds content that folks just you know they need to see and and a lot of that too is is uh, you got to keep those cameras running so that you are picking up the things that of value that you can add to the content. That's right. You know, uh, right. back to the word value, having yep. value to teach ethics and and just little things. I mean, yeah, you know. 
doing things the right way. Yeah, you gotta gotta keep those cameras rolling. I always tell folks, I typically tell them before the podcast. I didn't tell you this before we started recording today, but you know, you you can always go back in and edit something out. If you film too much, you can always delete footage that you decided not to use. You can't go back in and create it. That's correct. You, That's you can't correct. you can't capture a moment that didn't happen. You know, same thing recording here. We can't we can't capture a thought that that didn't happen. I can go in and cut out. 20 minutes of Josh rambling or something, but I can't go in and add, you know, 15 minutes of solid, solid content later on. Right. So tell me a little bit about the beginnings of Woodhaven custom calls. I I've been using your calls now for, I guess, I mean, three, four years, something like that. Uh, since I first started seeing you guys on uh, the hunting public and it was a, a tremendous shift. So before that I'd bought some calls at Walmart or wherever else I could get calls from. And I won't name the brand, but I thought I was terrible. I thought I just, I thought it was, it was hopeless. I would never be able to run a mouth call in my entire life. I just thought there was no way of getting there. Then I bought a, uh, a ninja hammer and I stuck it in my mouth and the call worked. Like I felt like a call should, and I'm, I'm still not a terrific caller by any means, but I could work it well enough to kill a turkey. So I've been very, very impressed with not just the quality of your stuff, but the usability as well. I think it's very, very user-friendly. So tell me a little bit about the origins of Woodhaven and how you guys got to where you are today producing, you know, some of the highest quality calls on the market. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Um, because we do, I mean, the effort has to be there. Sure. And, uh, you know, Woodhaven was uh, basically born in a, out of a dream of, you know, a guy like myself just loving the outdoors and, you know, the woods were my haven. That was where I, you know, I just I spent time with God, and you know, I tell the folks, you know, Father Time and Mother Nature, and that was my teachers, and and uh, and I just had that interest, you know, I just felt good. That was my peace, and uh, I spent a lot of time in the woods, and so that chasing um, critters, period, you know, it's been out there and learning woodsmanship, and just, you know, it just it just it just became its own. You know, I wrote my own book, I guess you say, by putting my putting it in. I need to get that out of here, out of my heart and mind, and get it onto paper so that I could, you know, share that I've been uh, being being pushed to, to write a book. You know, mm. And I need to do that. But uh, it was just a born as a, a a heart thought, a heartfelt thought process. I mean, you know, really. And then um, the challenge to want to. To, to, to want to, you know, I had a little plastic call, a slate and something, and I didn't have them. I don't even know how I got it or where I got it, but that's what I had and broke it, and I had to fix it because I didn't have the money to to buy another one. Mm. And, uh, and you know, I I liked the one that I, I liked. Yeah, I, I thought that was fun. I mean, it was interesting to me to fix it, and I thought it sounded better when I got it fixed. And, and then it just became a, well, I believe I could, do this or do that. And I'm a I'm a tinker at the best. I skid old southern word tinker, and uh, you know. And then I just started thinking and asking questions and trying to get answers and find uh, how to do. And you know, I wouldn't know YouTube or how do you do that? How do you build a mouse? How do you build a box car? How do you build a slate car? And then I just had to learn. And then um, I started in my grandparents' basement. And my dad had a uh, at my mom and dad's house. We had a wood shop basement. You know, wood, my basement wood shop, and like I said, I lived pretty much in the 
in my grandparents' basement for a good portion of my life and spent most of the rest of it in the woods and worked when I had to. Mm. But, uh, you know, it, um, so I had the basement part down there, and I was just able to set things up the way that I wanted it and started experimenting, built a lot of bad calls, you know, mm. trying to find that way to make some, make what I thought needed to be. And then it, you know, I started learning and then building one or more for a guy here or a guy there, a friend. And I started, you know, I wasn't a businessman. I was just a guy to building turkey calls. And I had to learn how to be, a, how to be businesslike about it because I thought I could take a dollar out of my left pocket and, and buy some raw materials and make a turkey call and sell it to you for $2 and I'd made a dollar. And that didn't work, you know. Then I, you know, <laughs> same thing. I thought I could take a dollar and buy some materials and sell you a turkey call for three and make a dollar, and that didn't work. I mean, I, I it took me a long time to realize how much money I was losing. I was just building calls for fun, giving them away, you know. <laughs> uh, but that, you know, so I had to learn how how business really worked, and then, yeah, um, you know, and then it grew as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just kind of grew and grew, and you you know evolved and. Uh, I remember that was in the late 80s, 86, 87, somewhere right in there. I can remember building turkey calls. And and uh, there's some still dated that. You know, I think at some of the original calls, I was going to be Woodhaven Country Custom Calls. Mm. And then I, I, I dropped the name Country. Okay. Know? And uh, some not many people would know that. And uh, But then, um, uh, you know, my dad helped me figure out how to make some jigs and stuff. I mean, and I've got a engineering mine i went to school when i was in college and stuff i didn't finish but i i was in engineering so i, I was exposed to a lot of educational proce- procedures that makes me think things on through yep and um so but then you know my like i said my dad helped me with uh, with some jigs and some thoughts and i mean but he would just give me a seed and then walk off you know he'd let me figure it out and that's the best way an earned way is the best way somebody give you something you don't respect it you don't earn, you didn't you didn't earn it yep and if yep. you earn something you respect it and you'll it, it means something different to you yeah but then I, I grew to a spot in 92 i was doing a few calls and you know and it was a hobby growing and then in 96 i remember uh you know starting to package actually really package calls and you know my grandparents used to answer the phone there'd be a list of people calling I still folks tell folks that I was telling them guys at lunch today. Still, I said I start getting all kind of friends about, you know, end of December first into January, and then I don't have no friends when June. You know, after we get through hunting in June, you know, I don't have nobody's calling me no more. I have guys texting me and stuff all the time right now talking about turkey, turkey calls or turkey shotgun loads or what I'm doing this and what you know. But uh, then I mean, but then in '98. 99 right in there we I, I got married i didn't get married till i was 36 so i was able to you know be in the woods and do what i wanted to do for a long time and but then when we uh we got married had one child and um and i just myself and an employer didn't agree i mean when i was when i took the job with them i said look give me a week to go deer hunting and don't cut the birds off the, the work the wings off the bird you know, let him, mm. let him still, don't put him in a cage, he'll quit singing. You know, I said, I'll do a good job, just you got to give me, a, and I said, I've got a, a, a small company and everything that's a, a turkey, you know, stuff, and I said, I'm going to be a little bit, uh, have to pay a little attention to it during February and March and stuff, because, you know, I'll be still building calls, and I said, I don't want to lose what I got going and everything. And I don't know, we just didn't see eye to eye mm. when it came turkey season. 
uh, you know, and, and we just parted friends because, I mean, I said, you know, I, I just wasn't willing to, I wasn't willing, I don't know, there's something that made it click, and I still, I just believe it's good, Lord. I mean, I'm a Christian man, I'm I'm, I'm saved by grace, and and uh, ask for forgiveness every day because I sure, sure, none of us are perfect, and you know, in God's right. eyes, he said, you know, you're even even your best. It doesn't matter who's the, thinks they're the crystal of, of the universe. I mean, that is, the, the best of the best is filthy rags. So, yep. uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just wasn't willing to, I just, I really, really felt it was God closing the, the doors of where Mike kept leading. And, and, and I think what he really did was give me the desires of my heart. Mm. I think I wanted to be a turkey call guy. Yeah. I wanted to be that guy. And, and I think God, you know, when you look back, you say, uh, that was a door open that, that, that I was just glad enough that I was, even though I was scared, I had no fear. Yeah. And if you, if fear's present, then you're not at peace. And there's a difference in, in a lot of things. I could get real philosophical, I guess. I guess I'm an old, old shag listens to all my sayings. I tell him every day, does he have his notebook open? He better be writing these things down. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, I just came home and said, hey, we're going in turkey call business. Wow. We'd never discussed that before at any point in time. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you know, my wife was uh, – City girl, she's concrete princess, and I'm backwoods cowboy. You know, I'm so we were kind of opposites anyway. So she didn't know what we was getting into. She didn't, I didn't know what I was getting into, but I knew how to build a turkey call. And I knew what my heart and I knew what I, what value I had, and I think that's where it's brought Woodhaven all the way to where it is now. Is the fight of the of the battle to survive and to pay the bills and. Uh, you know, folks ain't going to understand what Rob Peter and pay Paul is, but it means you got to take money from Peter and give it to Paul. And then as soon as you get some more money, you got to pay Paul some to give Peter some. I mean, you got, it's just, but sometimes when you're trying to make ends meet, uh, but still, still provide, I decided that I could provide a superior product, put it in a superior package and sell it to people and and make a difference and keep that quality there the integrity there that means not just everyone that i built i just throwed it in a package and sold it i had to, if it wasn't good I, it didn't go out you know it didn't go into a package then nor now um you know and having that integrity and then sticking with it because i mean if times were tough you know but and now again everybody doubted me Everybody, nobody believed in me, but you know, I guess in any point in time you'd think about believing, are you, are you sanely thinking, you know, I've, I, you know, I, 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 I faced some hard, hard times with people telling me I was, you know, you know, didn't have, the, didn't, I didn't have support that, that you would think you did. I was a truly a man on an island that only I could feel. I only knew my value. I can't tell you what your value is. I can look at you and say that you're five foot eight or whatever, you know, and look at you and say, you I can't tell your value. You have to prove that to me. You know, I only knew my value and I only knew what God was in my heart and in my mind and in my, in my being. And I could just feel his hand on me. And I just felt like that I, 
even when times was dark and 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 I wanted to quit and everybody else was calling me out. Now you can't. You're never gonna make it. You're never gonna be anything. You need to file bankruptcy and you know just forget this crazy thing you're trying to do. And I said, No, you're wrong. I'm gonna. If I felt cold and I felt God lift His hand off of me, I'd 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 quit. I said, This is this is this is destined to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, so. When you put that kind of value into it and you believe it and you know that you're doing the right thing, uh, I mean, did I know in 1986, 87, 88, in those days and years back there that I was going to make it? No, I knew I wanted to make it. Uh, and, you know, I think every day is a is a making it, if you want to say that. I think every day you better make it because everybody thinks that, where you've come from, man, that's awesome. That's a great story. That's important and everything. Those steps you took when you did this and you did that and you showed courage and you, now that's called being faithful. And I'm telling you, that's what I tell my guys here all the time is we're growing. You know, we've had to reinvest in making our procedures better, our equipment better so that we're doing the right things. I said, because the most important step is the next one. So, I mean, that's a, it started as a hobby. Grew, grew, grew. Uh, I in ninety, whatever it was, ninety-eight, end of ninety-eight, uh, somewhere in ninety-nine. There, came and said, hey, "We're gonna go on turkey call business," and I had to go get a, you know, the rule book for dummies on uh, business plan for dummies because I didn't know what a business plan. Didn't know none of that stuff. I didn't have no accountants, no lawyers, no none. I didn't know, didn't even know nobody that you know. But then, I, but when I started looking into how to set up a business and and that kind of stuff, I. I had to start learning that there was things that had to had to transpire, and then you know you had to have insurance and stuff. See, that's, I'm gonna get sidewinded here a minute because that's that's kind of you talking about though as the industry as a whole. I think uh, that the public doesn't really understand that Joe Blow turkey calls or Billy Bob's turkey calls or John Doe's turkey calls or Slim Jim's turkey calls. You know they're coming up every day. But, yeah. but there is a bottom line here to be truly in business and doing what we're supposed to. I mean, there's, uh, there's rules and regs, you know, just really in paying taxes on what you're doing. I mean, the guy said, yeah, I'll build you a turkey call, $8 or whatever. And, you know, I, I understand, I mean, but, you know, there's, and then, but see, when you become a business, I mean, and you want to do that to the public, you got to have liability, general liability, uh, insurance to you know cover all all kind of and nobody really realizes they just think oh, 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 oh turkey that don't cost nothing to build that this no you need to need to think about it don't tell us don't tell me what what i order charge what i need to do with my turkey calls because i've got to run it as a business and it's got to be profitable and and uh, there's so many other factors in in that you know but there's so many little turkey call companies and i ain't got nothing against none of them i'll help any of them if if I, if somebody needed my help, I'd try to help them to a degree. I mean, you know, I've I've earned the things. You know, we call it the Woodhaven Way now, and that's there's there's things that Woodhaven is Woodhaven, and we've earned that 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 name has earned its stripes, so to speak. And I feel like that Mike Pentecost has earned that right to to you know because of the procedures and the integrity and, and keeping that value back to value in our conversation, keeping value there is, is what's important.
who uh, there are lots of people who doubt me and I don't know how this is going to work, but I know I'm in there to win. To today being one of, if not the most recognized prison scholars going on on the net. And I think it's going to take me a while to get people to value what I go through in the world. Well, I mean, if you don't have faith, and sometimes, you know, the definition of darkness, what is the definition of darkness? Man, you're the first man I've ever asked that question of, and you hit it. So there's a reason. I don't think things happen for a reason or happenstance. I mean, for by happenstance, I think God's plans are always in. If you fall in it, at least, you know, he'll give you the direction and everything. So, I mean, I think that's, like I said, I think there's a reason for every opportunity. You asked me about being here. I said, you know, I've always just tried to pray about things and, and say, Lord, I mean, uh, you know, I'm going to try to. Do what you, if there's a opportunity to do what I need to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to try to meet everybody halfway, you know. And, uh, but um, anyway, I'm, I'm digressing, I guess, again. But No, that, that's great. I mean, and, and to the point, like you were saying a second ago, a lot of people don't see everything that goes into. A lot more to really running it like it's supposed to be run. It, it is. I mean, we added on. Uh, like I said, I started in a basement and then started in two, ba- and then it was working out of two basements. And then when I built my cabin, which is my now my home, part of it became um, the turkey call company. The garage, the carport became closed in. I came in one day, studied it up, put plastic on the walls, and and and, I, and put me a propane heater. I mean, I had to do what I had to do. I had to get to work, uh, you know, and I had to figure out how to provide, you know, sell calls. And I mean, I've had breaks along the way that just that just defined. I mean, if you knew the story, there's there's different breaks that I got and opportunities I got. But uh, I feel like God's hand was on it all the way. It was. Uh, I mean, I. I, as I started to build the calls and stuff, I thought, man, this is just great, you know. I, 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 but I want it all, you know. And if God had to give it all to me, I mean, I'd have choked on the bone. I mean, I, I couldn't have told it. I couldn't, have, you know. But I think things just happen the way they're supposed to. But, you know, it's uh, there is way more to it. I mean, when we uh, we went from uh, like I said, the basements to the, the carport at the house to, I mean, I was spraying turkey calls in a bathtub in a shower, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I, I was like, man, I can't keep doing this, you know. And uh, and then so I got a little outbuilding, and I would spray out in that area, and then I'd do my wood over here, and I'd make my do my assembling and my mouth call stuff upstairs, and I'd have to come back down. And I mean, I know what it's like to do every step, every bit of this. I, and I still wear, have worn a lot of hats for a lot of for a long time. But uh, wow. then we moved out to a a, a barn that uh, a lady in my church had, um, and it was. I forget how many square feet it was now, but it was a you know, barn. We we went in and cleaned and remodeled, insulated the walls, and put OSB, which is now worth fifty dollars a sheet. But back in time, <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't about. But you know, anyway, just made that work for a while and stayed out there for uh, two or three years, and then uh, an opportunity came here in town every day. 
I call it kind of like they walked around Jericho. You know, every day I drive by this building, and I'd say, Lord, I sure would like to be in a nice building like that. You know, that's where we are right now. And then one day it came for sale, and I got lucky enough to, you know, purchase it and moved all that into here and and then started the procedure of what we've got now. And then last year we, or let's see, 2018, I think it was, I added on what we're basically part of what we're sitting in now to have a actual receiving what used to the the transfer trucks and stuff as we started growing see it wasn't just ups and fedex taking these orders it was transfer it was trailer trailer tractor trailer loads of material mm. plastics and cardboards and stuff coming in you know and, and raw material and um but then when we would package the orders and then they had to go out we would have to tote the the pallets i mean people just don't understand well i used to have to weigh <laughs> a wood pallet write that weight down Put it on the ground and then weigh every box individually and add them all, add all up, up to tell and then shrink wrap it and then add two or three pounds so we wouldn't be I wasn't gonna cheat nobody I'm just not gonna be that way you know and I and then to say okay this whole thing weighs 110 pounds you know whatever that is now we got a machine sits out there to put the pallet on to put the product on it it weighs it tells you the weight shrink wraps it and everything they put the labels on it goes out the door man so I mean there's a lot to all that but you know we're here what you see today and it's very um, very much because of people that's buying it, you know, bought into uh, the the ideals of what I set forth. I mean, a guy told me a long time ago, said that a man's character soon becomes a company's policy. Mm. And so if you think about that, you know, that I feel good about myself in the respect that I feel like I have uh, the proper character and that that, that has become the value of the and the integrity. My the things that are inside of me truly are the company's policy, and uh, but we're fixing that on six thousand more square feet because we we we're busting at the seams. We wow. cannot we cannot build. But the quality of people, we've got some quality people in key places that do a great job for us. So and continue to uphold the values that that uh, you know that I have to make sure is here. You know, but. I got good people, so I'm I'm blessed and thankful. Man, that's great. Well, let's uh let's pivot now and uh, talk a little bit about uh, about turkey hunting. Season's a couple days old here in uh, in Alabama, and I'm I'm curious what uh, what the forecast looks like for you this year. Um, the the state season structure has changed up a little bit, mm-hmm. and a lot of things that have been uh, on social media, on YouTube, all kinds of stuff lately. Uh, I've talked quite a bit about turkey populations in some places of the country. They seem pretty strong. I know in our home state of Wisconsin, uh, turkey populations are still real strong. A lot of people have talked about declining populations here in the southeast, though. And you've you've had the unique experience of hunting kind of the same general area for for quite some time. So why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, you know the, your forecast for the year and maybe how you've seen hunting around here change over the years? I think we've seen a uh a large, large influx of out-of-state hunters in the first part of our season in, in years past because our season opened up so early and um, it was like March 15th. And um, it was a, um, an early opening season. And, and we had, at one time, we had a six-bird limit, and then we went, had we took it down to five. And this year, they've took it on down to four-bird limit, which is still just ridiculous for a lot, some states. I mean, one one bird is it, period. So, I mean, yep. I can understand their 
seeing value in coming here and then having the early season. So I think we – I don't see a decline in our population per se. Um, what I see is that the, um, the turkey is done fine, and I think we're still seeing turkeys. I mean, I know we are, and the um, um, I think what we're going to see with our um, – our personnel, I guess you would say, or the way we're going to do our, um, our our seasons and everything. Now, I think they're seeing the changes there, and I think the 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 public outcry and, and the everybody there there are some places that I think that that's an actual uh, reality that there is that there is a problem out there, and um, you know that that they're seeing declines, and I don't know. There's a multitude of reasons that there could be declines. I mean, you, they're, they're bait debate. You know, this is one of those deals where uh, I think the predator, I think the coon, uh, coyote, there's nothing really, you know, I mean, just, we're just seeing an abundance of coons and coyotes. I mean, there's no real, nobody really, you know, kills any of them anymore. And they, yep. the coon can eat, just, you know, knock hen off a nest and eat all those eggs. And I mean, I just think predation. I mean, and when you have the poults and then or find, you know, just think you got a lot of predators that's there. I think you could go into pesticide. You know, the way the use of different pesticides in the forestry and you know killing, um, you know, the underbrush. I think that stuff could get into. I mean, you could you could you could parallax that a hundred different ways. And I think they're desperately trying to find a reason, but but bringing to to it you know nationwide through your NWTF and different forums that's trying to think turkey uh, uh you know some of the guys are doing a lot of uh, research and everything uh I, I, they're definitely all over that back to where i'm from in my area i don't see any change per se uh in the turkey population really okay. in my, i mean uh what I'm seeing the change in was the in, an influx of hunters. Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. so so I've lived the, where there wasn't none, and there wasn't as many turkeys, but there wasn't any turkey hunters. And then the turkeys got to doing better, and I don't know per se. In my little area here, the, the, the highest, three highest mountains, we're at the tail end of Appalachians. So in my county, the three highest mountains in Alabama, three highest points in Alabama are in my county. So we're very mountainous, and on their census data and, and the the old data that they did, there's where they showed where turkey populations, you know, and they show where they were in 1800s or what, you know, I don't know how they know all this, but you know, and then where they, and then they show different graphics, and they just then that right here in my county is one of the dots that said so we've never lost a turkey population. Mm, okay, so, so you've maintained it all the way through. My turkeys are my turkeys are hatched with PhDs, hard hats, and flat jackets. Man, they know what they're doing. They've heard everything. <laughs> they mama, you know, they mama sitting up there when they on eggs, telling them, "You booger, you a booger." I mean, they these turkeys come out being bad. Yeah, I mean, they know what's going on, and uh, I mean, with all these techniques and great calls and good camouflage and guns and shot shells at you know tsa we've got every weapon in the world every modernization and we can take it and make it be fun and keep it where it needs to be or 
you know, but we need to keep, you know, I told somebody the other day, I said, what's the most important thing about turkey hunting or what I said, having a turkey. If you ain't got a turkey, it don't matter what kind of gun you got and what kind of boots you got and what kind of camouflage and what kind of um, truck you driving and what kind of call you using, it ain't gonna matter if you ain't got turkeys to hunt. But we've got turkeys. And um, I think in my area, with the state of Alabama, what they're doing here, I mean, it's making it tough on guys like me because I yep. grew up in the national forest in the manual. I'm a public land. I mean, I wrote the I wrote the book back in the day without a camera and everything. Some of these, you know, uh, guys are going out and just hunting all the time and everything. They got the cameras and they're making all this stuff, and that's great. It's, it's you know, um, but. As, as like I tell the folks that know me, I mean, and, and they're close to me. I mean, I said, you know, I did that 30 years, 40 years ago. Mm. I just, I mean, I went in the woods and stayed in the woods and hunted and didn't have no responsibility. And I did what I wanted to do. And, but I just didn't have a little camera on my, you know, on my gun and my head <laughs> and my shoulder. And, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't film everything I did, but I just did it. Well, now I got that story to tell. I can tell you all about it. Yep. And I can prove it and I show it. And, you know, but. But, uh, you know, there's, I don't have a camera that's, that's telling me that. What I'm saying back to, I, I have seen the time then all the influx of hunters coming in. You know, I just embraced it. You know, the local guys here hate it. You know, they don't like seeing guys in their way. And, in their, you know, who does? I, don't like, I like to have the whole woods to myself. But, you know, just got to learn how to do things the safe and ethical way. And, um, you know, and but. Right now, where they've cut the seasons and everything, they've took the they made the state of Alabama had got to where they opened on March 15, so they cut it back to March 25th, 25th. So that's 10 days deeper, and that is then they still didn't open up our management areas and our national forest. We thought it was just our management areas, and that was okay. We're going not going to start in our, we're not going to hunt in our management areas. And they're going to do more data and research in this management area. So they're not going to open until April 1st. But then we started reading the fine print. And all that national forest land also is closed till April 1st. So what you've got is you've opened the season for guys that have private land or lease lands or something like that. So it puts you in a game now. I'm used to just going to the forest, man. I want, I, I, that's where I grew up. That's where I cut my teeth. I want to be able to just go out there on that. I know it's hard, and I'm hunting hard, hunting turkeys and everything, but I just want to go hunt my way. And I want to go out in big woods and walk and hunt. And so now I'm relegated till those areas open I, 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 till April 1st. You know, I'm having to find little pockets that I can hunt and get permission and everything and then club land and getting a place. I think, I think that's been the, the, the hardship right now is finding access to places to turkey hunt in the early part of the year. And then later in the year, I mean, you know, it should be where our turkeys have, uh, our turkeys have um, bred more. I think that was one of their objects. Uh, I think that was one of the objectives of the, uh, was to get to uh, the, the breeding time, the, the mature times will actually have time to breed the hens, so I th they, we should maybe we'll see better nesting. Maybe they'll find some with some of this stuff. They'll, they're maybe they're right. I mean, we were uh, talking last night that uh, we have um, 
that it's possible that they're right. Some one theory is if if a mature the, the mature time the, you know when they start the gobblers start breaking up and they fight and they kind of get the hierarchy, and then that one mature time is the kingpin and he kind of is the one that gathers up the hens and everything and he's his his job he's championed the the choice to be able to he's established that dominance and he's got the hens and they've kind of become we don't know what their their uh, their instincts and and do they do they know which one they're supposed to do the hen know which one they're supposed to breed with and everything i mean mm. you know we just we just we observe it that we see the strutting tom with the and we see gobblers fighting and they established you know because he established pecking order too yep all right yep. well so the complexity that, that that one thought process was here that the large um, um number of mature gobblers that were being killed in the early part of the season with what just because we were out there hunting or because of the tur- the decoys that was being see i remember never had decoys so mm-hmm. i you know but decoys was being used, so now they they took the decoys out for the first ten days. Uh, fanning, you know, that there was a, that reaping, taking that fan and, and showing it, it was responding. You know, it was making those mature turkeys, the mature gobblers, be you know taken out yep. quicker. All right. So the one theory there was that if you took that that mature gobbler out and you toted him out that day, then all of his hens now are just fragmented again. And that the nature has to come in and, and reestablish another gobbler or gobblers have to reestablish who's the boss now, mm-hmm. and then the hens start that whole press, that whole process again. And if that's true, if they can ever prove that, then then there's no doubt we need to make sure that those uh, mature you know, the, the hens are bred properly and, and that, that they're having a chance to nest. Yep. And then we got to worry about the predation and everything of after they are nesting. Are they fertile? eggs and and are the nesting part you know so i'm not a biologist or anything like that i'm a guy book a school of hard knocks and and common <laughs> reason i'm a common sense kind of guy give me a wax on wax off you know square peg square hole i mean I, if it you know but there's complexity there obviously but uh, uh but back to finishing the point about what i see here i see it being a little bit difficult on we're cramping, trying to cramp a lot of guys into small spots right now, or, mm-hmm. either, we're, or either we're just, or either a lot of guys can't go hunting till April first. Yeah, and that's just that's just what it is. That's just what it's going to be. But what it has done too is it's taken a big influence uh, influence of out of state pressure off of our turkeys because a lot of other seasons are going to open nationwide then, and there's no you know they're not just going to be coming out here pounding on our turkeys so i think our turkeys here are just going boom even yeah. more but i don't me personally i don't have trouble finding turkeys in you know in in and around i mean we see turkeys we find turkeys uh we had no luck last couple mornings we've had one turkey <laughs> gobble we went to the same spot twice you know and had one turkey gobble a few times on the limb hit the ground he had so many hens i mean you know he didn't they didn't come our way, and we sit and you know tried to be careful and cover ground, try to figure out what's going on. Went back in this morning, and, um, you know, same thing. Gobbled a few times on limb, had hens in the air and close to him, and we didn't. He didn't need us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that I imagine that that uh, that opener changing from March fifteenth. Uh, you know, as somebody coming down from Wisconsin, when it used to be March fifteenth, it's like man, that's a 
I can I can hunt a full month and a week earlier yeah. than I can hunt back home. But right. now it's March 25th, and then I came down here thinking, well, maybe, uh, you know, I'm down here visiting family in Alabama, so maybe I'll get to do a little bit of hunting on National Forest right here outside of my where my family lives. Mm-hmm. Nope, no hunting on National Forest till April 1st. Well, right. I'm going to be down in Mobile, Alabama by April 1st. I'm right. not going to be doing any, be any hunting around yeah, here. That's what I'm saying. I think that's catching us a little bit by we're, we're having to adapt and overcome. Yep. I mean, we're going to have to learn it and just do what our – State says, I mean, yep. they cut us back one more turkey. That's what we're now our limits for, which is still uh, that's more than just one, better than having one. You know, let's right. don't, don't complain with our with our mouthful. We still get to enjoy what we get to enjoy, and you know, uh, being be able to go and go hunt and do what we do. Yeah, hopefully it'll be good for the turkeys, like you said. I, it's got to be. Yep. I mean, it, 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 at this point, the way I evaluate what I see, I mean, in Alabama. They've cut those dates back. They've cut our numbers back. They've done so many things. They've cut the out-of-state hunters. Now, to me, this is going to cut revenue mm-hmm. because you've had guys coming in here from out of state that was spending money to be here, uh, you know, buying licenses, uh, gas, food, lodging in areas, you know. And, uh, I mean, I made a lot of friends from out of state over the years just because, I, you know, I just refused to let that bother me. I just, just – I befriended them. I just be nice. And, of course – we have a lot of people coming in here that coming down and say, well, we know Woodhaven's in, you know, in this area and, and we, we come by to, you know, see and see Woodhaven, meet you guys and buy yep. some calls and stuff. But uh, um, so we're going to see that a little bit because there's not going to be as much of an influx. But there's so many so many variables that you're going to put in place. Here's my deal. How Which one are you going to tell me work? And how mm. you gonna have the scientific data to tell me which one worked? Was it cutting the season back, or cutting season back let gobblers, you know, stay alive longer? That could be breeding the, you know, the whole flock. I mean, doing the, and then, but you know, cutting season back, cut guys out of the coming, you know, coming down. Uh, so there's less hunters per se in here after them. I mean, we're not after we're giving them so many days, thirty, fifteen days more to be freed up so to speak and i mean how what what i'll be interested in how they put a matrix on this thing to make it tell me tell them to tell us what they actually uh find out about it i mean and it takes time and money to do anything i mean you know yep uh, but but which one did it you know if in a couple years you you are seeing booming turkey populations which part you know, can we can we get that extra bird back, or can we get those fourteen days back, or can we, you know, can we get some of those out of state hunters back in to increase revenue? Because boy, it sure is hard to do a lot of studies when you don't have the right amount of revenue That's coming right. in. That's right. You don't have license sales. But. That's right. License sales. Anyway, well, Mike, man, thank you so much. We're coming up on an hour. I will I will let you get into the woods. I know you got some folks that are sitting back here over my my left shoulder there, uh, anticipating getting out in the woods with you this afternoon. Yeah, we're gonna go so. back out and try. Probably go back and try that hard head, just because. You're going back after the same I, I one. Mean, that's the one. That, you know, Duke was picking on me this morning. And said, "Man, there's probably twenty two year olds around here somewhere we could go find, but you got to bring me in here to the only turkey that we can't call up because he's going to gobble 10, 12 times, hit the ground. He's got 50 hens down there with him. I said, well, that's the best kind to go after. There you but, go. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we might go in there and, you know, and, you know, and try him. Um, you know, that's another one thing. I know we're, we're hitting cut, but I mean, that another variable they put in there is they've uh, cut the hunting um, 
from daylight to 30 minutes before daylight to one eight to one o'clock see in the national forest in the management area i, don't, I think it's still open all day in public i mean in private Privately and everything so okay but see they used to in the management area it was always you quit at noon type thing so i grew up doing that you know get out and you didn't hunt the management area in the afternoons and anything but the national forest was all day okay so you can land was all day and uh now they've cut it to where uh the national forest and the management areas quit at one o'clock man so they not only cut out days they've cut out afternoons you know so again there what there's so many variables there i hate to go back to that no that's 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 just another one of those things that came up in my mind you know it's because um, I mean, we can go out this afternoon, hunt this afternoon, because we're still going to be on privately or, or, or you know, leased land. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, so, I mean, the only reason we can do that, I mean, we'd have to be off the management area by one or off, out, out of the National Forest by one. Wow. But still, you be careful what you wish. I mean, you want to be glad you still have opportunities to go into a management area. You want to have glad you have opportunities to go into the national forest you know be able to hunt there you know out my one of my peeves would be and i'm gonna go ahead and air a peeve because i i see a undermanaged you got the word management there and i think it's uh, uh strongly managed for timber mm-hmm. i think it should be for all avenues all venues we, we you know recreation if you want to go hike you can hike if you want to go horse bike you know the horse riding on on our management area there's horse riding <clears throat> i mean uh there's lakes and fishing and canoeing and there's you know camping and that's what it's all there for i i i agree with every bit of it but they put this they put the the harness of the monetizing and everything on the hunter and then he's yep. the one penalized he can't you know you might run into a horse guy or a hike guy and you so where somebody in there hiking or horsebacking and you know they should limit when they're in there and give us opportunity to have it just to hunt at the times when it's just a hunting season there's not that long anyway it's a little bit of time in the fall for some deer hunts and a little bit of time a few days in the spring it's our time to turkey hunt they should make the people you know re- re- adjust something for somebody because we're the ones paying the or they need to have a revenue stream where they have to buy a permit just like we have to have a per- pay for a permit to hunt they ought to have to have pay for the same amount of money for a permit to for the use. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, and or they always say they don't have money for food plots and putting stuff back, and it's important to give back. You know, there needs they need to find a way because they're gonna say, well, this, this, and this is aided in our turkey, and, I, and I'm like, well, in my area, on my all this vast number amount of forest and and management area that we have here that the government controls and they don't have money for anything but we have money for research and we have money for to give people that won't work and all this kind of stuff they've got and we're cutting timber every day and and it's coming out of there and log truck after log truck yep there's got to be a way to apportion and put back on the ground real valuable food sources for all animals it's yep. not just our turkeys and deer are, are the king that's what everybody wants to talk about and it was turkey season so we're keen on talking about turkeys but you're planning the right things and the right amount of food. Because I can remember being a young man, and there were some caring biologists and, and people that worked in that management area. Uh, I mean, and there were chufa plat- patches planted throughout the, oh, the and, and, and better green fields and everything. 
And uh, I just think if they took resource and put it back on the ground, I think you would see this add another key, this add another cog to this thing now. If you fed them and distributed and put more, more you know, um, food and the right food sources with the proper lime and fertilizer and the right seeding and, and everything, if, if we fed the animals a diversification of food besides just what nature provides for them, uh, you know, you can flip and flop that whenever which way. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, that's my pet peeve. That's, I, I wish they would do more for this I, because I, I love the outdoors. I love hunting. Love turkey hunting, love deer hunting, and everything. I want my kids to be able to, and grandkids, and everybody else to be able to enjoy it. You know, I just want to see us put back into, uh, you put your money where your mouth is. You know, you run yeah. your mouth, and, let's, and everybody wants to dictate. Well, we got to do this rule change, that rule change. We got to do this, do that. Well, let's let's look at that in some positive. Let's put it back. Let's flip that over and just say and change, change. All right, let's change for the good instead of change to a negative. Yep. Because everything we've mentioned is took away, took away, took away. Yep. Let's, let's put add back. back. Let's put some positives to make a balance. Because if you take too much away, you pull a vacuum. That's right. And, and you, you, when you take value away, you know, value has been come up in this conversation many times. But yep. when you pull a negative pressure on that value, then it's hard for people to believe. And it's hard for anything to sustain when it's pulled into a negative. You've got to put positives to balance it back up. That's right. That's right. You know what? That, and that's a, I'll kind of end here. That That is one of the things that I have uh, brought up a couple of times on this podcast, being a Wisconsin-based podcast. I grew up deep South Alabama hunting the old Boykin Wildlife Management Area. I don't know if you remember that one. We lost it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, also grew up some other areas down there, Clark, Wilcox County, that kind of stuff. Grew up, uh, also hunted uh, Cahaba River Management Area a little bit growing up. And, and one of the things that I always noticed about those places as opposed to where I'm at in Wisconsin is those places – they put that value on timber, and they didn't care hardly about anything else that went on on those properties. They didn't manage those properties for anything except for one thing, and they wanted to make money on that timber. Now, I go to Wisconsin, and all of a sudden, the DNR cares about the hunter experience. All of a sudden, DNR cares about, well, we want to make sure that we've got you know not too many people on here. We want to make sure that we're closing off certain areas. We're letting people know, hey, it's hunting season. Don't be messing around in here. <laughs> you know, this this is time for time for hunters to be out here. And there seems to be a lot of value placed on the hunter in the state of Wisconsin because they say, hey, this is where the money's coming from. Right. You know, and, and I just, I don't know. I feel like down here in the south I've seen we place the value on the timber company because that's where our money's coming from. Money. Don't want to push it too far, but, whew. That's right, money, money, money. But we can't fall into the evil where the, the love of money, you know, becomes – our only value. That's right. If our value is only in money and, and stuff, then our value is not very good at all. That's right. Well, Mike, thanks so much for taking time out of your day. Sure. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Where can folks go if they want to find out, one, about your calls, but two, uh, see some of the awesome content you guys are putting out? Uh, the um, website is www.woodhavencustomcalls.com. Uh, YouTube, we've got... Uh, I'm going to tell you what, I'm not the gadget and gadget guy now. I'm, I, my job, <laughs> I told you, my job is to call and kill. That's so right. Build That's right. Calls. Um, but we have a YouTube channel uh, and uh, Instagram. Yep. I mean, I don't know what the, what all those little codes are or whatever, those little <laughs> bilinguals or whatever. They, uh, but, you know, surely these guys, you know, and we appreciate everybody that does come watch. We hope we're putting up content and stuff that gives them little tips and tactics and stuff along the way and then entertain them with uh 
you know, watching us kill turkeys. We we got different people on on there. We uh, me and Shag, we try to you know we try to do show things my way and you know lots in the public woods and doing the way I've done, especially in Alabama. We got a lot of hunts. We went to Florida already this year, and and we got you know Alabama and. And we got Georgia, we got Tennessee, we got Missouri, Kentucky, Maine, Mexico. I'm actually going to Mexico to kill a ghouls this year. So are you first really? Time I've ever got to do that. I've uh, you know, but so I've hunted a lot of states and been successful and made a lot of good friends. But you know, so anyway, I uh, hope we're able to put the content. You know, we have different uh, guys hunting different areas of different states and different across the country, so they see you know Rios being killed, Miriams and uh, you know Osceolas and <coughs> pardon me um you know so we we see different guys it's not just me but it seems like a lot of guys want to see the episodes with me doing the old, doing it the old school they know i'm old school and i hope like i said when we started this show that uh that that uh they see value in what we're trying to tell them and what content and everything but uh whatever it is is there's a youtube woodhaven turkey call woodhaven turkey ninja <laughs> yeah turkey ninja's been a cool thing for us and yeah. then uh, there's an Instagram, and I don't even know what all that stuff is. These are, they and these guys may know. They can t- may tell you what it is, but I know there's, huh? Woodhaven Custom Calls. You just search that in Instagram. So, you know, having followers and and everything, I, I, that's important. You yeah, know, we we want to embrace that. I mean, we're trying. You know, like I said, I'm an old dog, and I'm still having to learn new tricks. I'm just, <laughs> you know. They don't throw the stick for me to go get. They throw the stick at me and hit me with it. So, I mean, you know, I'm getting tired of getting hit by the stick. i got to learn. You know? Maybe you'll learn eventually. Yeah. We'll but, see. Uh, we appreciate it. And like I said, www.woodhavencustomcalls.com is our website. And then, like I said, we have uh, YouTube and uh, Instagram. So awesome. appreciate the opportunity to talk to your followers and the Wisconsin sportsmen. Yes, sir. Wisconsin sportsmen. Thanks for your time, man. All right, buddy.